Hello and welcome to the next Circal HR Futures podcast. Uh, my name's Kevin Green and I'll be your host to, for today. Um, I'm also the chair of Circal's um, Employers Advisory Board with about 15 HR directors. Uh, with me today, our guest uh, for this uh, podcast is Lisa Robbins, who is the HR director for EMEA at Starbucks. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Lisa. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me. It's okay. I need to tell us, tell everyone a little bit about our partner. So our partner for the HR Futures podcast is Kaplan, who are partnering with you to deliver your specific organisational development needs and enhance the performance of your people and organisations. So thank you for Kaplan for supporting the podcast series. We, uh, we welcome their support. So Lisa, I always start off with a nice sort of general question. You know, just tell us a bit about your current role, how many people you're responsible yeah. for, and just give us a bit. I think most people understand who Starbucks are. I'd be very surprised if there's any listener that doesn't know Starbucks, but just know. tell us a bit about, well, you, yeah, just tell us a bit about your role and the size of the organisation. Yeah, sure. Thank you. So, um, well, hopefully most people will have heard of uh, Starbucks. Um, we're almost 50 years old next year. Um, it's, our, it's our birthday. And um, we, we started um, in Seattle in America by uh, Howard Schultz, who is the founder of Starbucks. Um, we entered into the UK and Europe in 1998. Um, we acquired um, around 60 Seattle um, coffee company stores at that time and um, and now we are uh, 32,000 stores globally um, around the world approximately 50% of those are run by licensees and in EMEA the region that I work in uh, we have around 4,000 um, stores um, we operate in 44 markets in EMEA including the UK and um, that's around 60,000 uh, partners um, but 90% uh, of those are run by license uh, partners so um, my role uh, specifically is uh, leading HR for our um, EMEA support centre our headquarters we call it support centre um, which, uh, in, which we're all responsible for managing and growing the brand um, in EMEA um, I'm responsible for uh, general HR um, for the support centre and Amsterdam manufacturing uh, plant um, as well. Um, I look after the centre of expertise functions, um, so talent acquisition, learning, development opportunity, all of, all of those um, normal okay. HR um, pieces. Um, and the last arm is business transformation. Oh, okay. That's interesting. We might touch on yeah. that in a moment. Do you, yeah. but with the licensees, do you, does somebody else provide support to them from an HR perspective? Or no, no. So yes, well, yes and no. So um, we work with licensees who are typically well-established um, companies and businesses in their own right, and they have their own infrastructure. So our role, uh, we're we're a lean we're a lean team of around twenty-five in total. And we have um, direct responsibility for partners we pay. And then we have indirect responsibility around uh, influencing um, through others um, yeah. how, we, how we grow our brand. So we don't have a dedicated team. We don't offer shared services, no. that type of thing. Okay. Um, but with the licensees, I'd imagine from a brand perspective, it's very prescriptive about you know, how they employ people, 
what the people do, all of that sort of stuff. So I suspect yeah. it's quite prescriptive in it, terms it, of, yeah. We have a, we have a core guide and we provide um, all of our core like learning materials, for example, and indeed how we, how we would want our partners to hire. Um, but it's not restrictive because um, we want to make sure that the, um, the companies that uh, uh, manage Starbucks can grow relevant to the culture that they sit within and the countries that they sit within. So there's, a, there's definitely a, a brand part, but not so restrictive that they can't be themselves as well. Okay, and how long have you been at uh, Starbucks? It's been a few years, hasn't it? Seven years. Yeah, next month I'll have been there uh, for seven years. And I'm in my third job at Starbucks. So, on, yeah. yeah, well, it suits me because I typically, through my career, I, I've typically changed every couple of years. Um, I joined as the UK HR director, mm. just, looking, just looking after the UK business. Um, then I moved into an EMEA, a broader EMEA role, looked after the support centre and a HR transformation. Um, we went on a massive transformational journey where we moved from primarily a, um, a company-run business to yeah. a license run business and then most recently um the role i described a few minutes ago is is the role that i've moved into so varied and interesting so tell me a little bit because i am always interested in when hr people take on additional roles and responsibilities so tell me about business yeah. transformation what does that mean for for starbucks and for you yeah so well specifically over the last few years we um, made the decision to change our operating model from a company-owned um, yeah. run model to more of a license model because we know to grow our brand uh, our license we have many brilliant licensees who are in markets that we wouldn't normally be in um, yeah. and so with that means that we have to uh, also consider our infrastructure and our ways of working and how we operate and that's why I was asked to lead the HR piece um, mm. in, in partnership with our business leaders as well um, cool. so that we can be making sure our people infrastructure skills and capability were future fit um, but it also meant because we moved to a license model our um, support center functions sh shrunk yeah, yeah. Um, and and that just doesn't happen overnight as, as as you all know it takes time and thought and energy so that's why I did that it's brilliant okay. experience for me um, absolutely absolutely okay so why don't we go right the way back to the beginning of your career I'm always interested when I introduce any you know interview any kind of leading um, HR practitioner someone that's got to the top and you know is managing or the HR director of their business or chief people yeah. officer, as they're often called now, is how did you get into the, the profession in the first place? So very few people decide when they're at school or university they want to be in HR, unless they're parents or someone close yeah. by. Most people sort of fall into it, but I'm always interested. So just tell us about how you ended up in HR. Yeah, well, I did sort of fall into it, I've got to say. <laughs> um, um, well, I, I um, did my A-levels at school and, and was going to go to university to study business and HR. Um, just because I had an interest in bus business. Um, yeah. I worked for Sainsbury's as a student while I was studying. And uh, through the summer before I was due to go to university, I was working a lot, like many um, students would have done then. And I worked in the um, administration office and cash office of a store. And um, the, the personnel officer at the time needed <laughs> some help. That's how long ago it was. Um, needed some help and asked me to come and help through the summer. And that sparked my interest in HR. 
Um, so much so that I chose not to go to university as I had planned. And I did Sainsbury's, I stayed with Sainsbury's and did um, the management scheme. Um, oh, okay. and, and later on studied in HR. So I ended up doing my degree in master's later, but um, that's, that's how. Fantastic. Never look back. <laughs> no, but I've never stayed in HR. So my line no. and career has been in and out of uh, different roles and business roles. Well, that sort of lends me to my next question, really, which is a yeah. bit about HR in different organisations. And I know you've worked in different roles as well, but yeah. I think one of the things that frustrates me sometimes is there are people that think HR is like a playbook. You know, you go into an organisation and you mm. put in performance management and you put in a learning and development strategy yeah. and you put in a yeah. reward structure. And in reality, it's always context specific, isn't it? And Definitely. the people that and people that listen to this, I think, are often sort of people that aspire to the top job in HR. So yeah. perhaps early in their careers. So one of the questions is, it's a long question, this, because I'm okay. just about to get there, which is, tell us about the difference, uh, difference HR plays in different organisations at different times. So in your experience, so is HR in Starbucks different to us in Sainsbury's to different it was in British Gas? I, I, I'm sure it is, but just yeah. perhaps bring that to life for us a little. Yeah, I mean, the, the short answer is, it is it's, it's um, recognisably similar but different, depending on the organisation and industry would be how I would describe yeah. it. So you are right there, you know, uh, the way I would look at it is that um, a, a great HR leader needs to understand the business really well first uh, mm. and foremost, whether that's, you know, the um, what's going on with customers, what position the business in, is it in a growth uh, business, is it in recovery, is it in, you know, a, a stable set? you know with aspirations mm. you have to understand in my view where the business is first and then understand what what is the what has been the people's strategy to date you know what has worked what do what do the employees tell you themselves um, yeah. about about the business that's always insightful um but but each industry is very different and and you know i retail and go into an energy or utilities business for me was huge learning but things that I bought from retail added value into the utilities industry like um, focus on service for example mm. and uh, looking really down down um, the, the roles at who your future leaders are and how can you be really thoughtful about developing early um, yeah. And then going into um, Starbucks, um, again, really a, a really different type of culture, but sim similar in many ways to Sainsbury's. The, the first thing that I did when I went to Starbucks was spent a couple of weeks out in retail in stores, you know, meeting customers, meeting our partners, learning about the business, li really listening. And then I think once you've done that at all levels, you know, top, top, top to bottom, if you like, you can then be really thoughtful about what you've observed and what you, and one, what you think might work. Yeah. And one of my questions uh, that I normally ask a bit later is, you know, what to focus on and what to not focus on. So when you really understand a business, you know, you've got yeah. a choice of all the HR things that you can play with yeah. to make a difference. How do you go about, you know, making the trade-offs, you know, we're going to focus on those three or four things because that's what the business requires now. And some of the other stuff I'll, I'll leave for another day or we'll get to eventually. So how do you go through that thought process of prioritizing what are the big things for HR to focus on? Yeah. Um, 
Well, it's not easy. It's the first thing I would say, because uh, certainly talking from my experience, um, I like to solve and help. And that right. then inevitably means a big long list if you're not careful. Um, I, I think I think ruthless prioritization or one, one clarity on what the business where the business is trying to go and how the mm. people agenda will will pro proactively and, and purposefully help with that. That, that that to me is the first thing be really really clear on that because that that then scrubs off almost the nice a lot of stuff. the yeah, nice yeah. to haves yeah or certainly i've got a book from my first day at starbucks i still have it's got a big list at the back that i still refer to now of things that i'll get to one day maybe you know quite often they cross off when you review but some of them i'd still like to do but you have to be really clear on where it is you're going um, so that you can ruthlessly prioritise. I think you have to manage by risk um, as well sometimes. So um, uh, like risk versus effort uh, or benefit versus effort. Okay. Um, so if it's going to take an enormous amount of time, resources, uh, money, um, that has to pay off in, in some way. Yeah. So it's a bit like a business decision, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. a return on investment. If it's we're going to invest, yeah. Yeah, you know, definitely a return 10 on... 10 people's time, yeah. Yeah, ex ex exactly. But that takes discipline, uh, I think, and and um, and clarity, I guess. And the other, the other thing I would say is that you have to be in partnership with the the rest of the business leaders. Uh, otherwise, you're, you'll be at risk of, you know, you taking yeah. the HR agenda one way, and then yeah. the business leaders going going a different way. Absolutely. Uh, and again, it's how you tie those things together. So listening to what the business requires, but also challenging them, isn't it? Sometimes you ask totally. them the tough questions. To totally. I mean, the other thing I've learned through my career, um, I've not always had this at all, is that it's really easy to make short-term decisions and be reactive, as, as, you know, especially in you know retail type of industries yeah. where it changes yeah. all the time what i've learned is that uh, and it's easy at the top table as well you know leadership teams to be right we need to do this and this and this but actually if we can really think about what decisions do we need to make now that are sustainable for the future to me that that normally gives you the direction or mm. you know a point in the right direction yeah i always like working back from customers so my question often because is is so if we do this this and this what difference does it make do we get more customers do they spend more money do they come more often whatever exactly. it might be it, it goes back to the return on investment uh, piece yeah for sure so one of the things is i'm trying to keep these quite topical so i suppose it's difficult not to talk about covid and the pandemic um at the moment you know in every yeah. conversation um, whether yeah. it's social or business related so how have you dealt with that as a business? Because this must have been for you as the business itself, but also your licensees, this must be an incredibly tough time. I mean, presumably yeah. lots of your stores have been closed. Yeah. You know, you're not trading really, or, or I suppose there are some places where you are and you're beginning to think about opening up again. So just tell us how you've dealt with that. I mean, it's not like you can do your job from home, is it really? If you're a barista in a coffee shop and you're making no. coffee, you know, what do you do? That no, that is exact, exactly right. So, um, well, first and foremost, the, um, uh, the safety of partners came at the, at the top priority. So we are a business that always makes um, people decisions first. Um, mm. We describe ourselves as a people business serving coffee. Um, so it's, it's a good thread. So right at the very beginning, it was about partner safety. 
and um, you're right when you're in a store um, you can't you can't be safe and carry on doing your job you can't do it from home and so um, all of our stores in all 43 markets closed uh, our first store that closed was in Italy a big roastery it's our flagship store mm. closed quite a few weeks before uh, the UK and then mm. um, country by country very quickly within days everything was closed and we've just started to reopen um stores we are uh, i want to say about 60 percent of our stores have reopened now um okay. across our 43 markets but they're only open uh, from a, a pickup uh, point of view yeah. you have to order on your mobile um and pay on your mobile and mm. and come and pick up in a safe way yeah. we can only have roughly three partners in a store at, at any one time to, because we've uh, like many businesses put in all of the um uh, social, social distancing, distancing yeah. guidelines exactly um our, our support center and manufacturing though carried on okay. so um manufacturing's um uh, require uh, in terms of volume requirements for roasting coffee clearly hmm. declined so we were able to put in social distancing measures fairly quickly yeah. um and we've had like a skeleton team uh, rotating into the the roasting plants yeah. in amsterdam and then the support centers have carried on so overnight like that we went um, from March the 16th, actually, we were ahead of um, any announcements. Week before, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we, we, were, we actually started with a trial day. Let's trial it mm -hmm. just to see. And then we never came back. We made the decision mm. to stay. So I guess, lear you know, learning, putting our partners first. So making sure we, we thought about wellness, both from a financial comfort uh, point of view mm. um, to a providing lots more mental um, health wellness. Um. Did so? Did you furlough people? Did you use schemes in different countries no. to take government support, or just, no. just funding it? You, but are you yeah. still paying people, or part yeah. paying them, or? Yeah, no, we're still paying. So we didn't furlough because we took the decision to uh, help make that available for those businesses that really, really needed it uh, first. And, you know, at the beginning, we didn't know how long this, like everyone, didn't know how no. long it was going to go on for. So we took the decision we would carry on paying for as long as we could. Um, and if we had to think about different things, we, we might, but we didn't want to, we didn't want to do that if we didn't have to. And because we've started reopening, um, our, our baristas are coming back. Um, we, for any short hours, we're, we're making that up. So yeah. that for their contracted hours. So baristas financial wellness is really important. And then all of our support, and that was the same in all markets. Um, so, so, so Starbucks uh, as, as a business must've had a very strong balance sheet or has that had to borrow or, cause again, that's a huge expense with no revenue coming in. Yeah. So, um, we were fortunate enough to have, uh, yeah. cause we're part of a global brand, as you know, Amir actually is quite yeah. small in comparison to our, our mothership in, in America. Okay. Um, so, so we were fortunate enough to be able to continue to pay. Yeah, yeah fantastic. For, for, for a period of time. And, and, and in terms of uh, the learning, what are the big things, I suppose? You talked about how you looked after staff's well-being, you paid yeah. them, you supported them. You know, it sounds yeah. like you've, you've treated people incredibly well. It, I mean, what will happen to the support centre? Will it continue to work remotely, do you think? Or do you think there's a chance we'll go back, and, but there'll be more flexibility or more remote yeah, working? De yeah, de definitely. I mean, I think 
I, I've learned more so than ever the importance of um, a connection and communication. You have to work really much harder at it, um, but it but it can work. Um, you know, we we moved very quickly to virtual learning. All of our face to face learning is now virtual. Um, you can get things done quickly when there's uh, you can move mountains in days if you yeah, like yeah, yeah. when you have to. Um, and do I think we'll go back? Um, we'll go back, but I don't think work will ever be the same again. Pers personally, I think um, the fact that we've been able to work and run the business and reopen the business from home um, from a support point of view has shown that you don't have to be in the office um, no. every day. And I think our partners' expectations will have really changed. I think they'll yeah. be really, really looking for that flexibility. And actually, I think there's a real business benefit to that um, as, as well. So we'll, we'll reopen. We're working on our plans to do that um, for the support centre in September. That's what we're aiming for. Okay, so let's move on a little bit. I'm going to go back to your career. So I'm really interested in, you know, a bit of reflection, you know, tell us about uh, the thing you're proudest of. What, you know, if you think about all your jobs and, you know, the, 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 the activity, the initiative, the thing that you made happen that made a bigger diff, the big difference to, to an organisation. Yeah. My gosh. Um <laughs> Yeah, there's there were there's quite a few things. If I think about there's a there's a few. So um, when I was at British okay. Gas, when I was at British Gas, um, I was accountable for all of the learning academies, which basically trained all of um, the British Gas engineers that you see out uh, in the blue vans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I took a lot of satisfaction from that role because it was typically bringing in um, uh, six, 16, 17, 18 year old. Um, uh, first job type of uh, type of folk um, into a um, quite a stressful and very serious um, uh, you know high uh, health and safety um, uh, points of views um, balanced with customer service um, balanced with um, you know initiative and logical yeah, yeah. thinking I mean there's quite a lot to do in that role for bringing yeah. in um, typically not always but typically first job um, holders and I always took great satisfaction seeing um, those cohorts of um, apprentices come through, uh, finish their apprenticeships. We took, do the Duke of Edinburgh, took them to the palace, um, and then them going out and getting their blue van <laughs> and going out and delivering to to um, uh, to customers. You know that that made me feel really proud. Um, and, and two reasons: one is because um, you know it's really nice to see. Um, developing future workforces yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also from a from a personal point of view I, I did apart from being a customer I didn't know anything about um, the utility business until I went to work for British Gas mm. but I learned really quickly by going in the blue vans with it with you know well-qualified engineers up into customers lofts and you know learning yeah, yeah, yeah. about the whole experience which meant that I was able to take the the learning there from a very traditional PowerPoint style, you know, approach to mm. a much more interactive, innovative, customer focused um, approach. So that, that was quite nice. Um, and then secondly, it's at Starbucks um, doing the transformation work I mentioned. Yeah. I described that as my hardest time in my career, but also the most satisfying or rewarding at the end. 
So why hardest? Tell us about hardest first and then you can tell us well, about rewarding. <laughs> well, hardest because we had to make really challenging business decisions that affected people uh, mm. and, and people's lives. So we made the decision to uh, sell our French market, for example, to a licensee. Mm. Um, we made the decision to close our Amsterdam office and have one um, European headquarters in London, which meant... 200 people um, uh, had to go um, in in France it was, it was something like 4,000 people um, you know they're hard decisions to make and and also um, taking the group of partners at, in London who many had been in role for many years taking them through mm -hmm. that change journey of actually your role tomorrow needs to look different from today because our operating model is looking different uh, tomorrow from today. And yeah. taking people on that change journey is really difficult, um, really difficult. And the other thing that I found satisfying and also, and also, And also, because yeah. it wasn't like, sorry, it wasn't like it was a crisis. So I did raw mail when we were losing crisis. millions. No. no. So you, you'd made a decision. And so yes. lots of people that have been good servants and great yes. employees, you're having to say, yeah, but we're changing and it, yeah. we're changing because we decided to change, which is that much That's harder, right. isn't it? I think so. I definitely think that to be be true because I was in um, crisis at, Saint, at Sainsbury's um, when Justin King arrived um, yeah. and we went from number one position to number three. Um, so I'd been through a different type of transformation, but with a crisis, this was yeah. very different. This was about growth, actually, but to grow... Yeah. We had to reorganise and make some really challenging um, decisions. So I personally grew a lot, w learnt a lot, was vulnerable a lot to be able to say, let, let, let's work this through together. I don't, I don't uh, know. As you're going through that type of process, how did you get support? You know, so you're, you're managing something, you're managing a big transformation. You're not done it yeah. before. You're, yeah. you're doing things you're not too sure about. You're trying to, yes. you're managing a bit of risk. You're learning a lot. Yeah. But how did you get support? Did, did, do you use a coach? Do you do a lot of reading? Have you got someone you act as a mentor? Have you got people you could go to? How did you get that yeah. sort of support to, you know, that sounding board that we all need when we're doing something that we've not done before? My gosh, yes. Well, um, uh, unfortunately, I have a brilliant leader um, uh, who I report into who uh, equally was going through and learning. But when you're learning together, that I think that really helps. That helps, yeah. Um, uh, the, le the leadership team, um, you know, this wasn't a new team working on something new. It was, it was a fairly established uh, team which had high trust. So that helps, I think, yeah, yeah. because it helps yeah, you be able to have the confidence to say, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I'm not quite sure on that. Let's, let's work it through or bear with me and I'll come back. Um, yeah, it's yeah. not, it's not always easy to do that. Um, uh, obviously speaking to uh, some, um, you know, long serving favored friends, um you know that have been in the profession helps as well just to just to bounce things off and then honestly to keep me sane at times because it was the the, blur, the, the lines definitely blurred between work and everything else for for that time it was really silly things like watching box sets over yeah, uh, yeah. over three months or something just i just knew that i needed to come away to be better for myself and others come away and just you know focus on something else yeah running that type of thing 
yeah cool okay so let's do another one then so let's do yeah. with hindsight what what you know what would you do differently you look back at your career and go yeah well, a couple of things i i did that i thought well, you know you, there's some learning in there there's some stuff that we all take from failure yeah. as much as success so give us a you know give us one or a couple of examples yeah um well one is that i would be i'd be brave i'd have learned the skill of being braver much sooner in my career so um i I don't know about you, but I, I always start from, or I've learned not to, but up to now, up to recently, I've always wanted to be a hundred percent. So, oh, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I want things to be a hundred percent before I would present something, for example, or before I would have the confidence maybe to say out loud or apply for another role or, you know, a hundred percent confident that I can do all of that. Um, on, on that list and I've learned um, probably in the last five five years or maybe since I left Sainsbury's maybe that was the catalyst um, actually you don't have to be at 100% and it's okay to be at 70 you know maybe and learn as you go um, uh, because that's how you'll get you'll get better and you know even things think, like being do you, do you, th do you think do I think I'm just going to ask a question. Do you think it's, a, do you think it's a, a, a female thing? Is it a female thing? Because I think I've got a lot of friends that are HR yeah, directors. Do. Whereas I, 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 I listen sometimes and go, really? Oh. I sort of, what? I was oh. always like, jump I, in. I'd know 60% and I'd, you know, and I'd go, but I can so do this, that. Yeah. I, I can do, do that. I do, I do think there's something in that. Uh, I do. And it is I, odd, isn't it? it? It's odd. And I, I still have to. I'm better and much more comfortable with it for sure now. Um, but it's taken a long time. And even now, um, you know, the imposter syndrome uh, sits yeah. there sometimes, you know, oh gosh, you know, you can't, can't go and present that until you've answered X, Y, and I'm a bit like now. Well, actually, when you get more comfortable in your own skin, I suppose, and yeah. your ability, you get, you get a bit more braver. I've had to go the other way a little bit. Though. I've had to reflect and go, perhaps I need to just think about this a bit more. And, and, you know, cause there's sometimes when you just, yeah, as you get older. Time. Yeah. Well, I think, it, I think the point is you start somewhere and you, it, it, everyone's journey is different, isn't it? You yeah, know? Totally. And, and if I had hindsight, although I absolutely loved my time at Sainsbury's, I was there 20 years, um, loved, loved it and did about 12 jobs in that time. Um, We'll always be grateful i really wish that i had been braver a bit sooner to leave because the value and experience i got leaving and go and confidence actually yeah. going to british gas and starbucks you know hindsight's a good thing isn't it okay we're going to take a little break there join okay. us back in about two minutes where lisa and i will finish our conversation and we'll talk a bit more generally about the hr profession we'll talk a little bit about what the post-covid world means the business and we'll also talk a bit more about Lisa the person and what she does outside of work so we'll be back in two minutes as the world comes to terms with the COVID-19 crisis Circal want to help HR leaders look to the future will the crisis shift the world of work for good what will this look like and how should HR leaders help prepare their business these are the questions that Kevin Green and the Resident Circle experts will consider as part of the Shifting World of Work content series. Visit circal.co.uk to find out how you can get free access to Circal's up-to-the-minute news, research and opinion for you and your team today.
welcome back to the second part of our HR Futures podcast. With me today is Lisa Robbins, who is the HR Director for Starbucks EMEA. Um, we had a great conversation in the first half um, where we talked a lot about uh, Lisa's career, Sainsbury's, British Gas, Starbucks, where she's been for seven years. And we're now going to talk a bit more about the, the industry, I suppose, or the profession. So just to kick off the second half, Lisa, tell us a bit about where you think HR is. I think, you know, my take is, I think 10 years ago, we had, we had, we had a big journey in front of us and I think the professions have moved on. I think it's much better, um, but I still think there's a, there's a way to go. So I'd just be interested because, you know, you're someone that's been around a while and seen HR go through many sort of, um, you know, it's evolved a lot. So tell us what you think in terms of where HR is today and perhaps what we need to do going forward. Yeah, I I completely agree with you that um, the HR profession has changed um, massively for the better, in, in my opinion, over the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years, certainly in, in the entire time I've yeah. been in HR, it's continued to to evolve. I think, um, you know, HR is is getting better at being around the table, really. Um, uh, you know, and, and properly in being an integrated part of the business. But I still think uh, there is there is lots, um, lots to do, e- even from things like, um, you know, how HR can can bring better business insight and data credibility to the leadership team to help enable different thinking and perspectives on business decisions. Uh, certainly from my, my own personal experience, it's a, an area that I want to strengthen, um, you know, my, myself in uh, and at Starbucks as well. Um, and uh, and automation, obviously, um, you know, is an area that um, is, is an opportunity, I think, o- over the coming years that... Um, you know, HR will really benefit from becoming um, really practiced in, uh, you know, more comfortable yeah. in and bringing it, bringing it into the business. It's, it's definitely an area that, again, on a personal level, I know that I need to uh, learn much more about um, to, to be able to bring, to bring that insight uh, and benefit. Yeah, um, I think that there's definitely something about automation and being definitely. more efficient, self-service for managers and staff, and then also getting the, getting the data out of, out of whatever systems we're using to be able to talk to the board about, you know, we, I'd love to get to predictive stuff. You know, I tell you totally. what, you know, so there's yeah, a big opportunity to- for us. To- totally. Yeah. How do you take the data and make it insightful? Um, you know, so that the board like, oh, we actually can't make these decisions without this uh, people data uh, or, you know, f- future data. That would be that would be amazing. Um, I also, I've been been um, talking about this for some time around and, and working, maybe it's my bias from coming in and out of HR through my career. Um, I really believe that um, HR professionals should be able to talk about any part of the business uh, and, and how that relates to uh, people and vice versa. And, uh, and almost that you couldn't, you know, if you were sat around a table of leaders, you couldn't really tell who's the HR leader because they're so integrated in that, dis- in that conversation and decision. I do think we've got some way to go. I'll tell you um, what I think as well. I think, I think one of the things you've said about your own career is, is pretty profound, and that is that HR often has people that start quite early in HR mm-hmm. and progress in HR. 
Yeah. I think one of the things that we need to do, particularly early in HR professionals' careers, is potentially get them to do other jobs in sales and marketing and operations. Definitely. And manage people. Because what gets me, quite often people in HR don't manage people until quite a long way into their career. And it's not easy. Managing people is art and science and you know I, I totally agree with you and, and i also think that to be true of you know part part of our ongoing uh, challenge and opportunity about uh, helping leaders be really capable uh people leaders and developers um yeah, that yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is is an ongoing uh, challenge I, I personally know i've benefited from taking a bit of a leap of faith in and out of hr so that I can be a better HR leader um, because I know the business better. So I've, I've, I did a stint in finance. didn't really enjoy it massively, but um, I did. I went into finance. I did customer service, uh, line manager operational roles, managing people. Yeah, I absolutely think that's that's super helpful. And and, and thinking about think, uh, and also thinking about. Uh, not just in HR, but I think we've got a role to play in helping people think about their careers as, I don't know, like a, a lateral and up climbing frame, maybe, or rather than a ladder. Because it's you've got so, to go sideways. I, you've got to go sideways to grow and develop and get that breath to go into the next one. I firmly believe that to be true. Do you also think uh, so there's something about us competing with other functions to bring the brightest and the best in? I think one of the reasons why we yes. struggle quite often is we don't compete right at the beginning of careers. You know, people, I do this thing at a master's program at one of the universities where I talk about strategic HR. I'm going, or it's in an MBA actually. And I yeah. go in and I, and I say, how many people in HR? And you normally get one hand or two hands. And I say to the people at the beginning, how many of you are going to spend some time in HR? And the one or two hands that are in it at the moment go down and there's no hands. Wow. And that frightens me. And I've done it many times. Wow. So the people go, you know, I want to be in sales or marketing or finance because that's how I can get to run a business. I can be. And that just that worries me hugely that we're just not see, getting people to understand how important the, the management yeah. of people is to not just, be, you know, creating a great culture and a great environment. But that's how you really get organizations to fly. Yeah, definitely. But I, I 100% agree with that. And it's not something we do well. It's not something I've done well, actually. Um, yeah, what, I've, what I've tried to work on over the last few years is helping our leaders even think laterally themselves within their own functions. Mm. Um, and you're absolutely right. How do, we, how do we extend that more broadly so that um, we have leaders um, that yeah, really, really understand the importance and a well-practiced and great at people leadership. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Food for thought. Absolutely. So well, let's, keep, let's stay on the same theme of the, you know, HR as a profession. So what does this post-COVID world mean for HR directors and HR functions? Now, I know it's dependent on what type of business you're in and where yeah, you are, but, but there's some significant disruption, isn't there, that's been caused by this. And, and I think things will be different. Just what's your, you know, from the top of your head, what do you think the things are that HR directors and HR leaders need to be thinking about? Yeah, I think definitely um, if you're not already thinking about flexibility is here to stay, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, flexibility about where you work and how you work and when you work. Um, 
uh, if I think about just this short period of time with COVID, we have said to uh, our partners in the support centres um, that, you know, maybe have caring responsibilities, for example, work when you can. Um, and, and part of my job I've noticed is that, uh, and hadn't anticipated this, helping leaders to understand that it's not practical to expect the same day from your team now as it was when you were in the office that is just not practical anymore and that's been a bit of a revelation for many people to go oh yeah hadn't really thought about that so I don't think that will go away uh, I do think that um, uh, again talking from the the, the the partners that I work directly with I do think that there is a balance of working together and, and away so I've said it myself that working from home is actually harder than I imagined it would be in many ways. Simply simple things like I don't have my commute to think to and think. get my head in gear. Yes, exactly. To think or um, just don't have that. So I think the demand and expectation of um, employees is going to continue. I, and, and that means that HR will have to think about uh, the way you know the way they work how they communicate how they how they uh, connect um, leaders capability um, yeah. and even things like technology technology and you know I think one of the things that I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated and I've talked to lots of HR directors um, as we've been going through this and yeah I think one of the things that they've all said in different ways is you know the people management things come to the fore because we can see people that can do it that can yeah. step into it, can inspire, motivate, communicate, engage, yes. help people, ask questions about how they're feeling, deal the yep. well-being stuff. And most of them have gone, and we've also found some other people that just really aren't very good at this. And we most probably just, knew just in our don't heart, connect at all. Mm. No. Yeah. And we, we sort of always known it, but in this environment, it just stands out, it doesn't it? So it, and for sure. So yeah. I think there's going to be a big agenda about how we really develop frontline, particularly frontline people managers, you know. De definitely. Yeah, I com com completely agree. I think some just don't know what, don't know how. No. Uh, or, or felt a bit awkward about it or not, you know, I don't, I don't know. But um, actually with the technology like Zoom and Teams it does make it a lot um, easier. The other thing that I think, or I'm noticing, um, given what I've just said about expectations around flexibility, I think there's going to be a bigger than ever wellness uh, focus. Um, yeah. Because e even thinking about if people are working from home more, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm working longer than ever from from home because it just extends and blurs. And, and um, you know, I don't take. I don't get up and away from my screen very often like I would if I were in the office and I'd be walking the office and um, I, I've been thoughtful about how do we, I won't, yeah. yeah, exactly. How do you develop and help uh, employees think about that um, from a, from a wellness point of view as well? Yeah, I think, I think you're right about wellness as well. I think that, I think it was already on the up. I think we were talking about more about mental health and stuff. And I think this has again amplified or brought it to people's attention. So I think employers will, you know, and and, and I, I tell you, this is I, it's amazing. You know, you do lots of things like webinars and podcasts and stuff. And I gave a piece of advice right at the beginning of this. I said that one of the things I've learned is if you ask people to score how they're feeling out of one to five, mm -hmm. um, 
at the beginning of a meeting, a team meeting, people will go, I am a one or I'm a two. And you don't ask them to say too much. But if you're a manager, you just go back round afterwards and go, you, you really obviously struggling. Things aren't going well. Yeah. Um, but I said that to someone and it sort of went a bit viral on Twitter and stuff. And then I sort of thought about it. I thought, well, it's sort of quite straightforward, isn't it? If someone says, I'm really, you know, today's not a good day for me. As a manager, a leader, you go. That, that's your cue. That's your cue. I need to go and have a chat, you know. Of course. Don't do it then. But that was like a fantastic piece of advice that no one had ever thought about. It's like, honestly, wow. this is. <laughs> I think, I think, well, then that's good because, because <laughs> uh, it's a good piece of advice. The other thing that I am, um, that I, that I've learned and uh, talk regularly with, with uh, the leaders uh, is that um, ask, when you ask somebody out, uh, how they are really mean it, A, first really mean it, really listen and then ask again. Because when you ask twice, you normally get a much deeper or the real answer. Yeah, you and, do. And um, that has been really helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's good advice. I think how you get into that conversation, I think people often don't ask the question because they don't want to listen. Want to, they no. don't want to be able to deal with the, a bit the like, answer. Well, yes, except like if you score a one, feel a bit yeah. like, oh, right move on um i won't talk to them for a couple of days then <laughs> no exactly exactly but that is your cue so Absolutely. it is about it is about leadership capability and confidence for sure yeah but also i've just seen i've just seen people that really just can do it as well are brilliant yeah, at it and just, you know, it's just natural yeah, yeah. Mm. so why don't we sort of finish off a couple of questions to finish what about your role at starbucks so tell me a bit about i'm always interested in you know obviously now's a bit different but let's go back sort of pre-COVID you know how do you keep in touch with all your different markets and your different geographical areas and you've got yeah. obviously your core business and licensee so just tell me about how you manage that because I'm always interested about how people do their jobs really yeah so well it's not easy is the first thing I would I would say and this is um where it goes back to my earlier comments about managing by risk or um because you can't you know, by all best intents and purposes, you just can't keep connected with 43 markets and over a hundred different licensees. It's just not possible. So um, mm. there's, there's three of us in, um, in the HR function. And between us, we typically work through our um, general managers or, you know, the leadership teams that are yeah. responsible um, for operations. And um, we're guided a lot by them. You know, where do they need, where do they need us to show up? Um, my boss is always at the uh, quarterly um, business reviews. Um, so uh, not, not all of them, I should say, actually, but the, uh, the bigger licensees, definitely always, always there. Um, and, and then when we're not at those, make sure we're connecting with the, the mm. leaders that are running the business. You know, so so what, what are you hearing? What about people? What can we do to add value? What, what are licensees doing that we can learn from? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, to, so it's definitely a two-way um, two street. But I would say we are, because we've transformed so quickly, I do think we're, at the, we're still at the not the start of the journey and learning, but we are, we're certainly not established um, yeah. yet. Did you, did you go out and look at other organisations that have got a licensee model? I don't know. I mean, the obvious one, I suppose, is McDonald's, you know, yeah, they do yeah. some stuff well, they do some stuff, yeah. I suspect, that quite different, but... We bought some leaders in, actually. 
that um, have worked in those businesses to help us as we were think as we were thinking it through. So uh, definitely have got the benefit of experience um, from the likes of McDonald's. Um, mm. Yeah, and Yum Yum Brands is another one yeah. where we've got leaders okay. leaders in. Um, the other thing is we worked with Boston Consulting Group. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, as part of our transformation and um, they were really helpful in being able to bring different external perspectives from around the globe um, into our thinking so um, that's how, that's how we typically did it yeah they're good them strategy consultants when I was at okay. Royal Mail we used McKinsey they used to, they used to oh, yeah. I, I always tell this story about I was I was given a challenge by our chief executive a guy called Adam Crozier he said look we got a big book the board have asked for a people strategy about our um, manufacturing so we put a new kit in right so it's walkers walker uh, sequencing machines and, and sorting machines yeah. and obviously most postal businesses have already done that but he said but we, you've got to do this like I don't know two o'clock tomorrow afternoon and this was like late afternoon the McKinsey partner happened to walk past. And I said, I've been given this challenge. I don't know if you can help me out. And he said, well, just give, tell me what you're looking for. I said, what I'd really want is just a, an overview of how people have got their geographical stuff, where they've put their stuff, and what the people model would be after that. But yeah. So I, th I said, look, if you can give me an example, that would be great. Just one example. Brilliant. Anyhow, the next morning I got in 40 slides, 20 different markets, model. They'd sent it to India and just pulled it together. Across well, the globe overnight, just unbelievable. Yeah, they, you know, so they have, they've got access to that sort of content that would take the, you months to at get. their fingertips. Yeah, definitely, it does. Uh, I definitely think there is a uh, a role at, at times in your career and business that um, yeah, the likes of McKinsey and, and BCG are yeah worth their weight in gold. We we definitely benefited. Yeah, because you ask them the big questions and they can give you lots of different op potential options, can't they? And then you have yeah. to work through what's right for you. It, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, that's exactly what we did. So, yeah. So in answer, uh, in answer to your question, we typically work through, because we're such a small team. We typically work through our uh, operators, our, you know, our leaders that look after that business. And then we go in where we where we need where we need to and add value. Um, where I would like to go and where we're working towards is um, uh, connecting much better and more proactively with um, not only HR leaders, but the business leaders as well on, yeah. on subjects so that we can learn and grow um, together. So aspirationally, that's, that's what we, we, are, we, are, we are looking to do. Fantastic. Um, one question that's popped into my head. Do you get, so I bet you must get engagement data or people satisfaction day did you get that across all the licenses as well so you're looking at that as a as a sort no. of data source no not yet but but it is definitely on the pad um yeah. for us to be looking at um what are our people kpis or dashboard whatever yeah. you want to call it that we would like to further understand that's common across all and that yeah. directly links into the impact on the brand yeah because i'm sure i've read something when i was doing i was writing my book about um employee engagement about i think it was in about your model about like um customer service profit jane treat mm -hmm. the people well yeah. they treat the you know the relationship between That's employee right. engagement yep. and customer, and customer service. engagement yes yeah there's a direct <laughs> link for sure even back in my sainsbury's days um yeah, the, yeah, that yeah. service model chain definitely was something that was i'm sure it still is now but it was definitely used there there's a direct correlation 
yeah makes sense doesn't it it does it does right so let's finish off so tell us a bit about your passions outside of work so great hr leader had a great career but you're more than that aren't you you've already said you you, you got kids and stuff so i'm sure that's part of it yeah, but yeah. just tell us is it is it literature theater sport uh, exercise theater i don't know i'm just always interested what in what it? people are what they do what are they passionate about outside of work yes well well first and foremost uh, a family so i have two children um a 15 year old son uh, who's uh, in year 11 and then um, we're just going into year 11 and a 12 year old daughter so first year of senior school so um, they uh, I learn with them every day as I feel like I'm relearning my GCSEs again <laughs> um, and uh, and my husband works he's a tree consultant so um, completely different line of business to me lovely um, uh, you know it means that we we continue to to learn and and do things together outside so a lot okay. of my time away from work is outside um, we love going on holidays um, mm. and, ex and exploring uh, last year we went on a um, like a canal boat that's oh, cool. the first time I've ever done that um, and probably would never have done it uh, no. uh, without my husband and children going come on come on let's do that which was great um, and then running so um, I, I've actually since COVID and working from home, I've taken up running again. Um, so I try and run as much as I can at, at least three or four times a week. It just helps me decompress and um, you yeah, know, keep, yeah. keep mentally um, healthy. And then um, like anybody else, um, we've got some brilliant friends that we, yeah. we go away with. We like weekend breaks. I just try and do something that's completely separate from work. That's, yeah. that's my main Focus. And you, t you talked about box sets. So tell me about you watched anything good over the last few months? What you know, is anything that's particularly sort of oh caught your fancy? Um, well, uh, Killing Eve, obviously, that's well. Yeah, um, that's good you know, and most people I talked to said, "Yeah, that's cool." Um, uh, I like This Is Us on Netflix. Um, that's good. And Afterlife with Ricky Gervais. Oh, Afterlife was. Yeah, it's clever. It's funny Very, and sad. Not many is. people can do that. No, no, it's a fine line, isn't it? So, it, is, um, it is. Yeah. And then I like I like like natural history documentary oh, okay. type of box sets, as do the family. So um, we, I don't know what it's called, but we're watching one at the minute, which is about catching um, going around the world and fishing for different types okay. of fish. So keeps me a bit interested. So what was what's the next journey then? Most probably a oh. few few months time, obviously I suspect, rather than yeah. summer and stuff. But what what's next on the list? Um, holiday wise, mm. to me, um, yeah. Well, my gosh. Well, unfortunately, like most of us, I've just had to cancel the one for this year. So um, where was you going? We were going to the west coast over in oh, America. Okay. Nice, which, fantastic. Which, yeah, we've not we've not done before, apart from me in Seattle, where where we're headquartered. Yeah. Um, so now we're thinking of just if we can, if, if um, the restrictions lift in August, we'll we'll go and do something self-catering in the UK. And actually, yeah. I'm quite looking forward to that. It will be quite nice not to be Fly getting on a plane. Mm. And, uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, actually, we should do that a lot more. Our family should do that a lot more. So that's what I'm planning. Sounds great. Thank you for spending the time talking to us today, Lisa. Pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks I think there's loads me. of little snippets, loads of loads of good advice and um 
you know, well, I hope you get lots of feedback. I hope people enjoy it and they tell you that they've enjoyed listening to you. Fingers and crossed. We'll, we'll catch Thanks. up again soon. Thanks, Kevin. Bye. Bye.